morning will be from Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Again, that's Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, and all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. <clears throat> so the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is, your, he is in your power. Only spare his life. <clears throat> then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore, bo- sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a pot sheared to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. There'll be some of you, maybe many of you, who remember Wayne England. He recently passed away. His uh, funeral or his memorial service has not been arranged yet. But as soon as we have more information on that arrangement for the memorial service, he has given his body over to science. We will let you know. But again, Wayne England had just recently passed away. And uh, services or arrangements are pending concerning him. We're mindful of a world in which we live, bearing the evidence of a creator. And everything that we see tells us that there is a creator. I was thinking as Jim Barnhill was mentioned, keeping him in our prayers, And I was thinking as I was looking at this communion table, I believe Jim is the one who built that communion table. And that's a reminder again that he exists. And then his existing is a reminder to us that God exists. And that he is a creature of God, created by God, washed by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus, and stands redeemed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We live trying to understand a world in which we live. 
And it's difficult at times for us to fully grasp eternity. It's hard for us to grasp that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know there was a beginning. We're the evidence of that beginning and that it will continue until we have taken that last step of the way for our eternal home with him in heaven. And it's hard for us to grasp God, who in his grace and his mercy created a world, created man, works with man in this creation, even in man's rebellion to him. We see it in Genesis 3. We see it in Genesis 4. We see it in Genesis 6. You see it in chapter 11. You see it in 18, and on and on the list could go. Of man turning away from God, who has created him, loved him, and provided for him. It's hard for us to also grasp the concept of Satan, who at this time simply would be the accuser of his accusing Job. And it's hard for us to grasp God's confidence that he has in that which he has created. Knowing of man's weakness and frailty, but to have confidence that there would be those who would believe, who would follow, who would serve God regardless of the physical consequences that they may be experiencing in life at a particular time. Job is described as being blameless. And God is willing to stake confidence in him. But Satan believes that man has a selfish side to him. And Satan believes that man will only serve if he is going to be rewarded for the service that he renders. Evidence to a large degree by a world in which we live are not wanting to do anything unless there's something in it for us. It may not seem significant, but just the thought I did it for, I felt good by it. We like that sense of reward. And we have that tendency of also believing that if something bad happens, it's the result of something wrong in our life. And we struggle with that. And Satan is willing to take advantage of that and and how we work with God and Satan is hard at times. Satan or God does not tempt us with evil, 
nor is he tempted with evil. Satan is the tempter, and God allows him to do the tempting. There's that ultimate test that is throughout our life. Whose voice do we really listen to? Which set of teaching have we placed our confidence in? The teaching of God or the teaching of Satan? And it's interesting that as you read through this book of Job, to see how man, Job's friends, Perceive life. The only reason you're suffering, Job, is because of sin in your life. Repent of the sin and you'll be okay. That philosophy hasn't changed a whole lot along the way. Man has his concept. That one, excuse me, as long as the one as when Jesus is asking his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they come up with their various answers. Man always has an answer. But it does not mean that his answer is correct. And in most cases, it is not correct. They were wrong about men saying, of saying who Jesus was. They were wrong. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't one of the prophets. He was not who they expected him to be, the Son of God. Satan was telling God, the only reason that Job serves you is that you are rewarding him. You take away what he has and you curse you. So that permission is given. And you think about it as you read chapter 1 and 2 of Job. And then as you continue to read of see the intensity of what Satan was able to do, and within a time frame, he was able to do it. It was just one thing right after another, after another, after another. Question often could be asked, what about us? How would we respond to the intensity of the attack of Satan on our life. But Satan was wrong. One of the things that we need to remember in our life as we face Satan is that he is wrong. That he is a liar and he is the father of lies. 
He'll give you partial truth. But he does not give you the full picture. We're catching a glimpse of that full picture, if you will, in Job 1 and 2. The only record we have of a conversation between God and Satan over man is the one here in Job 1 and 2. But have you ever asked the question, would God, could God say the same thing about you? Have you considered my servant and put your name in there? One who's faithful and just. One who hates evil. One who does what is right. Just the thought again that a creator of the universe and the creator of mankind has such confidence and frail human beings that he believed that when he sent his son that even though most of the world would deny him and, and reject him refuse to acknowledge him or God that they would be human beings who would be willing to stake their physical life on the concept that God is. Jesus died for my sins, rose again, and stands at the right hand of the throne of God. But more than that, that he makes intercession on my behalf. And that God believes that those who would walk with him will also have a right to an eternal home with him in heaven. And to believe that man can, man will, and man does have such a conviction. Satan wants to contribute it to a hedge that God has placed around him. And again, the hedge is there. As you look at this and see that confidence, you also get to look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. That God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able but with every temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We get crushed when things go wrong. We get crushed when things seriously go wrong. And sometimes we forget that promise of God. Hebrews 13, verse 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. 
Now, if God is for us, what can man do against us? If God is for us, to have that comprehension, to have that conviction, to have that assurance that God is for us. We read history and we see all of the horrible things that have been done to God's people down through time. We can look at Job and see what he went through. Being afflicted was not bad enough. He got to hear all of the reasoning of his three friends. It's been said that the most comfort that that Job got out of his three friends is when they first came to him, sat with him, and did not say a word. Because after that, Here's what I think. Here's what I believe. This is what I think is going to happen. Surely God would not punish you or God allowed you to be punished. There's something wrong in your life. You need to correct it. You're deceiving yourself. And on it goes. As we look at Job, chapter 2 particularly, or 1 and 2, then the rest of the book. Then you turn over to James chapter 5 and verse 11. You've heard of the patience of Job. And you see in the faithfulness of God that God is very compassionate and merciful. Reread Job. Do you see that there? Do you see his compassion and his mercy? We read it with the human eyes. We talk about the human emotions. We look at Job's wife and says, Why do you remain faithful to God, curse God, and die? And Job's response. Are we only going to accept good from God and not bad? And again, good and bad are our perceptions. Oftentimes what's bad for us is really good for us. Although I'm not too convinced about Brussels sprouts. But oftentimes, it's what we perceive as bad that is really the testing of our faith through fire to remove the impurities as gold is tested by fire, to remove the impurities that it may may be pure. The testing or what we perceive as bad is oftentimes a way of our learning that separation of this life or the things in this life. To realize how 
temporal they are, temporary, and not lasting. And how our perception changes over time. Often, I love reading cartoons of Charles Schultz on Peanuts. Or the Family Circus one is the one I'm thinking about, the Family Circus. Our perception, the, it's wintertime and it's been snowing. And the dad is walking with a little child. And the dad says, well, this is nothing. When I was a child, we walked through snow up to here. And you look at the picture, and the little boy has snow up to here on him. Remember learning to drive a car up in the hills of Southern California and coming down a hill where the road stopped and made a T. And there was a hill on the other side of that T. I'm trying to find the brakes on the car before you went over that edge. Went back years later. Erosion has greatly taken place. That hill was no more than five feet. But in a car coming down, it looked a whole lot steeper than that. I'm saying, do we catch that our perception changes over time? And we're looking here of trying to help us to see a perception that should not change over time. God has confidence in his children. Satan is wrong. And the accusations that he hurls against God concerning us. Are we serving God just because there's a hedge? Listen, we live in a world where the hedge of God is always around. It's for all of mankind, if you will, to a degree. The fact that he has set things in motion and has set restrictions on them is a hedge. He's wanting what is good for us. He's given us opportunities for the trials that Satan will hurl at us to say, whose voice are you listening to? God is saying, I am with you. I prepared a world for you. I set you in this world. I gave you a soul that will never die. Do you trust me that I will see you through this world and into eternity with him? Do you trust God? Enough to say, I'm yours. It does not matter what Satan can hurl. I'm God's. I will follow him And I will serve him.
to agree again Satan's right, eye for an eye or skin for skin, all that a man has he'll give for his life. You watch mankind to follow that out. But it's not absolutely true. Too many children of God are willing to say this world this world is not home. I'm just passing through this world. Sickness, affliction, heartaches, setbacks, failures, they're only temporary. I'm passing through this world. Heaven's home. And I do not want to allow anything that's temporary to keep me from what is eternal. It simply is not worth it. What we learn from Job. Job would do some questioning of God. As you read through chapters 38 through the end of the, the book, you will also find out that Job would finally acknowledge, listen, I spoke foolishly. How many times have we judged God and what he's done by our understanding only to learn how foolish that is. God is so far above us. Ours is not to understand him completely. Ours is to trust him completely. I entrust him with my soul for eternity that is to come. Each step I take brings me one step closer to heaven until that final step is taken. But it does begin with that invitation song. You cannot take those steps that lead to heaven until you're willing to surrender all. So as we sing that invitation song, as you look at your life, where is it? Are you a child of the living God? One who may understand that God gave his son to die for your sins, that you might live eternally with him, to the degree you're willing to repent of those sins that separate you from God to confess Jesus as the Savior, obey him in baptism for the remission of sins to be raised, to, to be raised to walk that new life. Why well, as a child of God, have you let Satan cloud your vision of that loving creator who is Father and need to come home? Surrender all. Life will be blessed, life will be enriched when we give our all to him. We accept you to that invitation that we could assist you, if we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.